Hey, hey, this is Dr. Kavita Sun. Welcome to the Emotional Mastery Podcast. This podcast is about emotions, psychology, and relationships. Every week, I'll be sharing real-life tools to help you build self-awareness, a better relationship with yourself, and more fulfilling relationships with the people that matter to you. Listen, this is the foundation on which the rest of your life is built. So let's take the time to get it right. I'll see you on the inside. Hey, Pod Squad. Before we begin today's episode, I want to invite you to a free marriage communication challenge that we're going to be doing June 5th to June 9th of 2023. It is completely free and it will give you real life simple solutions to any sort of conflict, whether it's recurrent arguments with your spouse, whether it's with other loved ones as well, whether you're the one who tends to criticize or shut down or walk on eggshells, whatever the pattern might be, just bring it to the challenge and I will help you in five days completely solve it. That's my promise to you. The link is in the show notes. Come register and I'll see you there. Human brains are designed to be this way intentionally. So if you know anyone in your life who's made any sort of big decision, whether they succeeded or not, they had to override this primitive brain in order to do it. It's not that it's easier for some people or, you know, some people don't have the panic that you have. Everyone has the same design in their brain. So everyone who does anything of courage has to override this fear center. Hello, everybody. Woo. Today, we're going to be talking about how to make big decisions, right? This is uh, something that I have seen come up over and over again, uh, as I don't know if some of you might know, some of you might not, but in the last couple of weeks, I've been taking some um, calls after uh, with people that I've never spoken with. They're new to me and I'm new to them. And I haven't done that in almost three years, really. So it's been really a new experience, a newer experience. And um, I'm noticing this theme come up over and over where people struggle, are struggling to make big decisions and sort of waffling in uncertainty, confusion, and a... um, sort of waiting for something to happen before they can make those decisions, even though they want to make those decisions, seems to be a theme, right? Um, Yeah, so making big decisions is something that I've seen come up um, in my private sessions with my clients in HYR and in the calls that I've been taking last week and this week. Um, So I wanted to share with you guys how I have made big decisions and the framework I use to walk myself through to the other side, especially when I'm scared, when I'm really scared, when I really don't know uh, what's on the other side, right? It's not a small leap. It's a pretty big leap. And when they are big decisions, they are big leaps. And we're often scared because we don't know what's on the other side. So, I wanted to just share my thought process with that, okay? Um, So the first thing to think about, whenever I'm trying to think through something, I ask myself, what does that actually mean? Because vagueness is the enemy of action. When we are vague, we will just keep, staying it's like pushing mud from mud you know what I mean you never get clarity it still comes back to all a mess of mud so getting specific about what is it exactly has helped me a lot so when we think about big decisions right what is a big decision what is a big decision right so I think of big decisions 
as something that cannot be accomplished immediately. Otherwise, it wouldn't be big. You know what I mean? You can begin the process right away, but you can't complete the process right away. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a big decision. So it has a timeline component to it where there's at least a few weeks to a few months, sometimes maybe even a year of going through a process to get to the other side. And to me, I found that really helpful because the short, immediate decisions are often not outside of my comfort zone and they're not well thought out, right? So if I just go blurt out whatever I'm thinking to someone, that's immediate. It gives me immediate gratification, but it actually is not me stretching. So big decisions necessarily involve me becoming a different person. There is no way to make a really big decision and make it from the same state of mind and perspective that I'm at right now. Okay. So for example, buying a big house is lovely, but it's not a big decision right? If you have the funds for it, unless you have to stretch and become somebody in order to create the funds for it. So it's not the house itself that does anything to your growth. It's whether you have to become somebody to reach that or not. Right? So that's the first thing. As a background, and I was sharing this in HYR call, just earlier today, I've had, I was looking through in preparation for this, um, today's uh, chat with you guys, I was thinking through my life and saying, asking myself, how many times have I had really big leaps where I didn't know where I was going to land on the other side? I didn't even know if there was a ground to catch me. There were such big leaps that I couldn't have imagined from my current state of mind what would be on the other side. And if I think back to my life, I've had seven such big leaps. And I'm certain you have had some as well. Even if you tend to think of yourself as risk averse, somebody who follows rules and somebody who likes to please others, even despite all of that, you have had at least one or two big leaps. So for me, my seven, uh, the first one was when I was in med school and decided to go into psychiatry. No one I knew was a psychiatrist. Everyone I knew around me was, um, they were physicians who went into whatever their dad was. So my dad's friends, and people that he went to med school with, there was a tight group net and their children and I, we all grew up together, we're still friends. So everybody often went into the field that their dad was successful in. No one I knew, not only in my dad's circle, anywhere was a psychiatrist. Psychiatry back then was not considered medicine. Okay. It was a stepsister, right? And on top of that, my dad um, was a very successful retinal surgeon and really created kind of a mini empire of eight hospitals, freestanding tertiary eye care hospitals that then he took public. And so it was unfathomable for me, for my dad, and for everybody in our world back when I was 17, 18, for me to do anything, not 17, 18, actually, when I was uh, about 22, 23, I was just about to finish med school. At that time, nobody would have fathomed that I wouldn't just go into ophthalmology, especially because I was actually good at ophthalmology. I was a gold, med uh, gold medal student in ophthalmology back then. That was a thing. And I loved it. I loved ophthalmology, but I loved psychiatry even more. 
right? So I had to leap knowing that my dad would be very mad. He might disown me, which he did. I mean, we made up later, but I didn't know at that time that we would ever make up. I had nothing and no one to support me, right? He kicked me out of the house. I'm laughing now, but back then I did not have five rupees to my name. I still remember only having chai in the mornings, tea, once a week, because that's all I could afford. I would walk to all of my, I was working part-time in three different hospitals in order to survive and also studying for my postgraduate. I would walk to all of the different hospitals I worked at, which was miles and miles away because I couldn't afford the bus fare. Okay. But I still did it. And I'm so proud of myself for doing that. There are many other situations where I didn't have and follow through with that kind of courage. But in this reinvention of mine, I did. And if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have anything that I have now, right? Second one was coming out as gay. Now also, I had nobody that I could point to back then as anyone who was uh, functioning and had a life and a family as a gay person, right? Third was um, when I paused dating and went to begin exploring the question of how can I heal myself and my relationships. Again, I had no idea where that would lead. I didn't know that I would ever figure it out. I didn't know where to begin, but I knew I had to start, right? So as a leap, I actually took six months off from work, flew back to India, went to silent retreats, all kinds of things, searching, right? Another one was getting married to my spouse. Again, could not have imagined that from where I came from. Another one was having our daughter. Could not, oh my goodness, could not have imagined even with a gun to my head, I wouldn't have been able to explain anything that is my life right now. It's like asking somebody, how do you live on Mars? You'd be like, I don't know what you're asking, right? And then the last one was jumping from the comfort of an inpatient job, whereas making good money, steady paycheck, was taking uh, moonlighting gigs and you know, extra gigs, 1099 gigs, making great money, comfortable. And I left all of that to go into coaching and start my own company. <laughs> Looking back, I'm like, wow, I had no clue. Back then, I started this in 2018. I did not know one other physician coach. Nobody. Now there's so many physician coaches that I know, but back then I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to hold my nose and jump into this ocean. So I want to impress upon you that there will be more and more that will come up like this in my future. I hope it does. I hope it does for you too, because that means you're striving to live fully and honestly through your life without insisting on knowing what the end result is because you can't know if you have to become a different person to live that out then how can you know since you're not that person now there's no way you can imagine it right so through this whole process watching other people helping other people through uh, big change making those big changes in my own life I have sort of thought through it as having four steps. And I'd like to share that with you guys. So the number one is coaching our own fear brains. Okay. Our brains, like you all know, there is a, the, the primitive fear brain, there's a frontal lobe, 
but the primitive fear brain is always um, louder and stronger than the frontal lobe, okay? Because it's designed to keep us alive. So if there's any threat over there, it often gets louder. And as soon as this gets loud, the frontal lobe actually goes offline. There's, there can only be one loud thing in the brain. So once this fear brain gets loud, the frontal lobe is gone. And it's intentionally designed like that because we have to first be alive before we can make any dreams come true, right? And for most of human history, we have been concerned with being eaten, being beaten, being killed, um, having life-threatening diseases, right? So that primitive brain is always looking for danger in order to keep you alive. The problem with that is when it doesn't know what's on the other side, it assumes that that other side has a loss of life or limb or such terribleness on the other side that you will just dissolve and die. It's so convinced because it only knows the old data and whatever you've experienced already is what it can point to as being safe because you've already experienced it. It knows how to deal with it. But anything new is unsafe. The problem is big decisions require you to stretch into the new, right? You actually have to not know where you're going to land. That's, that is the definition of a big decision. So now we are stuck. Our brains say, no, 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 no. We don't know what that is. It's danger, it's danger. Stay in your comfort zone. Even if that comfort zone is fucking uncomfortable, let's stay in there. So at least we know what this is. Change is scary. Even good change, right? Even change that after you go through the process might be the best thing ever that you could have done for yourself. From this vantage point, your fear brain doesn't know that, doesn't know what it could be, so it will scream and stop you from moving. Yeah? Our brain wants familiarity and sameness and the quickest way to stay alive. That's all it cares about. So what do we need to do? First of all, I want to say this is how any human brain is. It's not just yours. It's not just mine. Human brains are designed to be this way intentionally. So if you know anyone in your life who's made any sort of big decision, whether they succeeded or not, they had to override this primitive brain in order to do it. It's not that it's easier for some people or you know, some people don't have the panic that you have. Everyone has the same design in their brain. So everyone, who does anything of courage has to override this fear center, right? So how do we override it? There are few ways that has worked for me and many that have not. But one of the ways um, that I think is very powerful and I use a lot even now is to imagine the worst possible outcome, okay? The worst possible outcome And then put yourself into that outcome. Let's say you imagine that you will be alone and you're living in this big house now and you'll be living in this one bedroom apartment. It's a new city, it's a new job. You have no friends in the area. Your bank account has gone down by two thirds. Right? Let's say that that is the worst outcome you can imagine. Okay, cool. Imagine that in 
vivid detail. Okay. See yourself in that apartment with the popcorn ceiling, <laughs> with the kitchenette, with the job where you're like, hi, and awkward because you don't know anyone. You don't know where to find the charts. You don't know where the, whatever, you know, the, the trays are. You just, you don't know where the bathroom is. Everyone seems to be friends already. <laughs> it's a nightmare. And you're like, ah, I'm 45 years old. Why am I in this situation? Maybe you come across the next day you go in and people are talking about a wonderful party they were at the previous night. You're blushing because no one even told you about it. And now you're extra embarrassed, right? Maybe you're seeing your kids less than you did in your previous life. Imagine all of it in vivid detail. Imagine thinking of going on a fancy vacation, looking at your bank account and saying, I cannot go on that fancy vacation right now. I will have to give up my whatever nice car you have. Imagine getting into a, I don't know, 2015 Honda, right? Imagine it in vivid detail. And then notice in that situation that you are okay. You are alive. You have food on the table. You have a roof over your head. You have your friendships that you have nurtured. You have the family members that loved you who don't care whether you have a popcorn ceiling or vaulted ceilings. You have a job because you have skills that no one can ever take away from you. You have an education that will feed you for life. Actually notice, oh wow, there's safety cues all around me in that environment. This is not a theoretical thing. You've got to put yourself there. Notice that the sun still shines on your skin when you leave your apartment. Notice the Starbucks coffee that you get still tastes like heaven. Right? Notice when you see your children, they are still the loves of your life and they crawl all over you and they are so excited. Notice that you have a bed, a comfortable bed to lay down and rest in. Notice you have a comfortable couch that you can crawl with a comfy blanket and watch your favorite show after being on call. All of these safety cues are there in that environment. When you notice them and really feel them, why do we do this? Because your primitive brain is like, oh, oh, we did not die, in fact. Huh. The couch still feels really comfortable. That show is still pretty hilarious. This coffee tastes great. I still am very good in the job that I'm doing. Okay. This is how we override the fear brain by imagining the worst possible outcome and going right into it and noticing all the safety cues. Okay. Once you've noticed all the safety cues, if you want to go one step further, start noticing all the new possibilities that have now opened up in your life. Maybe you have more time on your calendar and you're starting to look at a drumming circle because you always wanted to and there was never time. Maybe there are plants in your apartment and you're taking such tender care of them. Right? Maybe you have a pet now. Maybe you are um, 
I don't know, part of a group at church or at your local temple, or you, you know, have a pickleball team that you're a part of. Notice that you have more capacity to make decisions from this new vantage point that you wouldn't have had earlier. So maybe you can't go on the fancy vacation, but guess what? You can take two days off and just veg on the couch if you want. Right? Let's say you're seeing your kids less. Notice also, while it is true that you will miss them like crazy, it is also true that they are sensing that mom is coming alive. So you can bypass your fear brain by going into the worst possible scenario instead of trying to avoid it. Notice all the safety cues first, bask in and feel those safety cues, and then start noticing what are some new possibilities, delicious little possibilities that I couldn't have had if it wasn't for this worst possible scenario, right? So that's the first thing. I can go on and on about that, but I'll stop there. You need to bypass your fear brain by actually approaching it instead of avoiding it, okay? Second thing that will often come up, and that's point two, once you've done that, your brain will then offer you these things. I can't do that. I should really be doing this. I have to. I just have to. I mean, I have no choice. Or he or she is making me do X, Y, and Z. Or stopping me from doing X, Y, and Z. Right? We've all been there where we're like, oh, no, no, no. They won't like it. She won't like it. He won't like it. Or she'll, she's stopping me. Or he says that he will do X, Y, and Z. And that's why I can't. So the next thing is to get very, very truthful and honest and specific about your language. You are choosing not to do X, Y, and Z because the other person might be upset and you don't want to face that. And that's okay. It is your choice to make, but own it, right? Be very, very honest and in integrity with your language so you don't keep yourself in this victim mode of, I don't know, people are doing this to me. When you ask yourself, okay, so he might not like it, what, what might he do? Oh, he might, um, you know, I don't know, fire me. Maybe it's your boss. He might fire me. Okay. That makes sense. You, you're scared of being without a job temporarily. Okay. But does that mean he's making you stay in this job? Of course not. Right? So using language precisely and honestly will give you freedom, right? There's, everybody is doing whatever they know to do, but I'm still left with what do I want and I need to own that, okay? So then let's say you start I would say start having that kind of precise language in everything. Like your friend says, hey, do you want to go see a movie? And you don't want to, and you don't want to hurt their feelings. And so you say, oh yeah, I'm actually, you know, still at work. And you tell yourself, it's only because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. You can be honest and kind. Right? It's not either or. 
So in everything, if a store clerk says, how's your day going? And you had a crappy day. Don't lie and say, I had a good day. Just say, it was kind of crappy. I'll be all right. Be precise in everything because your integrity matters more than anything else. If you're angry at someone, have the honesty to examine if you played a part in how that relationship came to be, right? Be ruthlessly honest and kind in the delivery. Yeah. So you do that. Let's say you've spent a few weeks really being honest and really starting to trust your own word now. The next thing often that our brain will bring up, number three, is, oh my God, what will people think? What will people think? No one's ever married somebody with, uh, with adult kids in my family. What will they think? No one's ever divorced my family. My parents will just die. They will just die. What we actually mean is they'll be so disappointed in us that I'm scared I will die. Right? Or maybe, you know, uh, I want to start my own art business. What will people think? People back home will be like, you got a chance to become a doctor and go to the US. Now you're painting? They won't even take me seriously anymore. My spouse will be like, geez, Louise, you could see a few more patients who are struggling with bills. You're going to be painting. Nobody's ever going to buy that. <laughs> what will people think? So here's the thing, right? The people that you're thinking about is maybe two or three human beings. <laughs> we tend to think, what will the world do? What will people think? As if it's like a hundred people around you. It's literally maybe one, two or three individuals. Right? It's kind of bizarre how we give such power to like three random people, just, just like that. So first, instead of saying, what will people think, get very specific and say, I'm afraid what my mom will think. I'm afraid my brother will um, see me as a loser. I will lose the sense of being the most successful of my parents' kids, right? Specific. And then adjacent to that, start creating a tribe of people who are already doing what you wanna do. Because there's a lot of truth in you are the average of the five people that you most spend time with. Okay, so if you're never around people who are doing the things that you want to do or stretching in some way, then you will think that stretching is some superhuman thing that only very rare people do. But when you hang out with such people, it becomes normal. Right? That's what you do. It's kind of like you're a physician. And you go and take on cases that are very complicated, that don't have a clear solution, and you don't even bat an eyelid, right? You just do it because every other physician around you was doing it while you were training. That's just what we do, right? It becomes normative based on the people around you. So if you only have people around you who've never done this, then you will keep letting those three people determine the course of your life. Let them be exactly who they are, but you find a small tribe of people 
where what you think is scary and huge, they're doing somewhat on a daily basis. It will become your norm as well. You can't help it, but just what we do, we absorb the environment that we're in. Okay. And lastly, once we've done all this, our brain will say this cool thing, which is, I don't know how, but, but I really don't know how to do that. What is even the first step? What does that look like? Oh, I don't know. And the truth is you cannot know. How can you know if it is genuinely a big leap there's no way to know. Like if I, when I said I want to go into psychiatry, I didn't know if I would get into psychiatry training. It was very, 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 very competitive in India. I didn't know if I would. I didn't know if I would get into residency in the US. I didn't know how to get together flight tickets to come here. I didn't know the first thing about anything. All I knew is my next step is I need to tell my dad that I want to be a psychiatrist. Then the step after that is I need to work as many jobs as I can to be able to study for the psychiatry board exams. That's all I knew. So I did that. Right? All you know is the step in front of you. And that is plenty enough. So if you want to start a business, go talk to somebody who's done it and ask them, how do I pick my niche? That's the only step in front of you. You don't need to answer right now, what if I don't get clients and what if I can't uh, support my family and what if and what if? You don't know. But right now in front of you, you need to figure out your niche or niche, or whatever, however they say it. What is in front of you, do that. And it's like climbing a mountain, in my experience. You will climb one step, and from that vantage point, you can see more of the scenery than you could at the bottom of the mountain. And now you have a little bit more options. And you're like, oh, okay, the next step is this. That's all you know. So you take that next step. Now you're a little bit higher. Now you can see a little bit more. And you're like, oh, I'm starting to smell the air of the top. <laughs> you only know the next step. You cannot know more than that. Just take the next step. Stop wasting time going round and round about what you don't know. Of course you don't know. Right? You cannot know. Even if you spend one year ruminating on that, you will not be able to come up with what actually it feels like on the other side to take the next step. Right. I can tell you after having done this many, many times, there is no achieving. There's no, yes, now I have done it, arrived. There's only a deepening confidence in your capacity to keep stretching. I feel more confident now than I did before that I can handle it. And I like the person I'm becoming when I live in truth and courage. I still don't know if the next thing I try in my business or my career or my relationships will work or not. I never know. But I have confidence because I stretched in little ways and kept moving. I know that I can handle it. Right? So I want to end with, guys, whatever you're grappling with, you're grappling with something. If you're alive, you're grappling with something, right? Maybe it's committing to a certain relationship. 
Maybe it's having a difficult conversation in a relationship. Maybe it's ending or um, changing the way a relationship is in your life. Right? Maybe it's um, talking to your mom about the thing that happened when you were 12. Maybe it's joining HYR and learning the tools that none of us were taught in school, right? Maybe it's investing in something, a course, real estate, or something that you've always wanted to experience. Maybe starting a new business or changing a career or taking a break for a year and like traveling the world with your kids. I don't know what it is, but there's something in front of you that needs your courage because your next version of yourself is knocking. So my invitation to you is think about what that is. What is that whisper? What is that thing that you know that you're avoiding and distracting from and projecting and making excuses about or waiting for somebody else to do X, Y, and Z or whatever it is, but you know what that something is, right? Focus on that. Go through these four steps so you can get some clarity and you can bring your nervous system more in line with where it needs to be and then you can jump. You'll still need to jump. But you'll have more confidence to jump if one, you have thought about the worst possible outcome and you have gone right into it and lived it from the inside and seen that it's actually not that bad. It might even have some good. Second, you're very precise and honest in your language. I'm choosing not to right now rather than I can't, I have to, all of that, right? Then three, think about who is your tribe that you need to create. It might just be one other person to start off with. Where might this person be? How might you reach out? How might you, what questions might you ask them? How could you spend some time around them so they're, way of thinking becomes more normative for you. So your tribe that is doing and stumbling through the things that you want. Number four, you don't need to know how with a capital H, you just need to know what is the next step. And then the next step. And then the next step. So this is what I have really um, found really helpful. Even now, there are things that I am trying to stretch in that are scary a little bit, they're uncomfortable. Um, in my personal life, in my relationships, in my parenting, in my business, um, in my friendships, one particular friendship, and I am still don't know what the other end looks like exactly. It's a little scary. And I use these four steps so that I can live my real life, whatever I was put on this earth to become. I am not shying away from that, right? So I'll stop there. I hope you guys found that helpful drop in the comments if you will what about fear of loneliness yeah imagine yourself being alone imagine yourself being alone and imagine what that looks like and notice that it likely isn't all that different than what you're experiencing now except you might actually have some possibilities open up okay 
So the fear of loneliness is also just a fear. We want to approach it rather than try to run away from it and concoct our lives in a way that we don't have to touch that fear. Because whatever we resist, guess what, runs our lives. Yeah. <laughs> Erica's on day two of new clinical job. Don't know where the charts are. Don't know where the bathroom is. Everyone else seems to be already friends, right? There you go. And yet she made the jump and it's awkward, but there is beauty there too. There is only too much change if you are struggling with, um, so for example, we all also need some amount of consistency, right? So if, so for example, if I'm, um, we were, I'm, this is a very small example, but just to illustrate, we were in Connecticut. That's where I've lived for years now. We moved suddenly to California for 10 months and then we're moving all the way back to Connecticut, new house, new school, new everything again, right? So it's important to keep some things the same so that you can stretch in the other things. So for example, um, Kristen and I always have Fridays where we connect, right? Every night, every single night, whether we're in a hotel in the middle of nowhere or in California or in Connecticut or in India or in Pennsylvania, every night we read books to uh, Gia and put her to bed. It's just a ritual, right? She's got a little owl thing that has, plays music. We, it's a tiny thing. We take that with us wherever we go. And she's got a little stuffy. There's a stuffy, there's the owl, and there's us reading books. Doesn't matter where we are, right? So it's too much change if your system is longing for some consistency. There is no definition of too much change. What is too much for you might be just right for somebody else, might be not enough for someone else, right? But if you are feeling it's like it's too much, listen to that and ask, how can I create a little bit more consistency? It might be, I talk with my best friend every morning. Mm -hmm. Right? That sort of holds you so that you can do the things where you want to have some courage. I hope yeah, that can helps. Can I say something heavy? Something yes, really fast. please. Yes, please. So just for everyone who doesn't know me, I'm Kibita's head coach and I became her head coach recently, which is so exciting. Um, but I knew in August of last year that I really needed to make some big changes in a couple of different areas of my life. One of them was my relationship. I was engaged at the time and knew it was not going to work out at all. Um, but I was afraid of like tossing out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak. And I didn't, I didn't quite know what it would look like on the other side. Um, and then also with my career. And so, you know, I knew that I wanted to become a life, I, I was already a life coach. I knew I wanted to be involved as a life coach, you know, have that be the bulk of my work, working time, being a life coach. Um, I just didn't know like what that would look like. And I knew my current clinical job was not working. So I said to a mentor of mine, I said, I will need to change these two things, but not at the same time. Because the hard part is when you find your voice, sometimes then you're like, well, I'm actually not tolerating this and I'm actually not tolerating that either. You know, you kind of are like, I am dishonoring myself in these different scenarios and I I deserve better. I deserve more respect. I, I just, you know, so you kind of almost have these like epiphanies and you can't unsee these things once they happen, but there are ways to do it. Like Kavitha said, keeping certain things constant and also like staggered change too. Yes. So, you know, October ended the relationship, December ended the clinical job, you know, things started moving fast in early 2023, which is great. But, um, that was something that I learned was I just knew I couldn't do both things at once, but I knew they both needed to happen. So I was like, okay, let's order of operations here. And, um, you know, it's, it's all been very wonderful, but you're right. I think that, uh, that something has to be consistent, but so much can change around you because the whole time, I mean, I did not feel stressed. I was so surprised how I felt so calm in the midst of all these big changes. Um, but I just knew it was all going to be okay because I was living according to my values. Yeah. 
I love that concept of staggered change. Yeah. yeah. And here's my ID. I just have to show it to everyone. Look. Here I, am. <laughs> I remember talking to Erica a few years ago and she was like, I want to do a part-time REI like um, position. And she was like, there's no such thing though. That yeah. just exists. There's no such thing. I just want it. But of course I can't do that. And now she's doing it. I know. I know. <laughs> It's wild. I'm like, oh, the patients will never allow that. Like, yeah. partner, like, and then like this position, I mean, the people here are wonderful and it's just, yes, it's uncomfortable not to know where the bathroom is, but every day it gets a little better, a little stronger. Yes. Uh, so, so yeah, just wanted to share that because this is through my work with Kavitha and her team. So I really, you know, I have a lot of perspective now that I did not have then. And we still have our growth edges, right? Like we, you know, relationships and parenting and uh, new careers. Like it's all, we're all evolving, but I just wanted to, to share that because this is like living proof in the moment of all of this. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Yes, alignment with our values. You have to be willing to uh, blow things up a little bit. Yeah. And you can do that in, as Erica said, you can stagger that. Mm-hmm. And you can go through these four steps to try to give yourself a ground from which you can leap. Yeah. Right. Um, but yes, on the other side, which you have no idea who the fuck knows how it's going to be, yeah. but you would be the kind of person who has done that. You will have confidence in yourself. And there will be beauty in the other place that you cannot even imagine right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here, for sharing, thinking, um, just being in this growth edge conversation. Please don't just think about it. Write down what am I facing right now? And how can I go through these four steps? What would that look like over the next few weeks? And when will I then um, make the leap? In a small way, right? Again, remember, you only need to know the next step. You're not leaping off a mountain. You're actually leaping to the next ledge. <laughs> That's all. So take care, everybody. It's so good to see you, as always. Bye. Hey, Pod Squad. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I enjoyed making it for you. And I really want you to come and take part in our free five day marriage communication challenge that's coming up June 5th to June 9th, 2023. It's free, it's five days, and it will completely solve all of your communication issues, not just in your marriage, but in any important relationship in your life. The link to register in the show notes. Go get a spot before they run out. See you there.